TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Culture is an ever-evolving word, a concept which is currently dominating major space in both the workplace and lifestyle realm. Here, we discover the journey of industry icons and artists and how their experience of culture has impacted their success along the way. Join me as we trek into the roots of culture and its daily effect on our lives. I am Cecilia Lana, the founder of Walkabout, and this is Walkabout Radio. Amy Wright is a tech extraordinaire by day and OTT innovator by night. Having co-founded Macro Solutions in Washington, D.C. in 2000, Amy found herself at the forefront of the tech world. While Macro Solutions began taking off, Amy and her husband Ronnie decided to simultaneously launch a new concept on the other side of tech, birthing Diddy TV in 2014. Diddy TV now serves 5 million viewers each month globally and airs 24-7. Amy continues to lead Macro Solutions as CEO and run Diddy TV with her husband while making it all look effortless and graceful. Amy, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Cecilia. So excited to have you. Just I'm nice excited to, to be see here. you in yes. the flesh. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a couple of things today. You have had such a fascinating kind of a career development. And I wanted to start at the beginning and hear about what your first job was. So my first job was at a pizza hut. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I was a waitress and... Uh, you know, like everybody who starts somewhere, you've got to get your first job. Mm -hmm. And I was excited about it. It wasn't all that creative, but, you know, I really met some interesting people Mm -hmm. working at the Pizza Hut. And so that was my very, very, very first job when I was 18 in the summer. And um, my first job as a professional was in Washington, D.C., working for a lobbying firm. So how did you get there? So obviously you grew up in Memphis and I believe, didn't you go to college in DC? I, I went to college at University of Virginia. That's right. So I grew up in Memphis, went to high school at Lausanne. That's where I graduated from. And then went to University of Virginia. In between, I went, did a year in England on a scholarship to study over there. And then graduated from University of Virginia, went to DC to, um, you know, start my career. In a sort of a funny way, my mom kicked me out of the nest. (laughs) She basically said after six weeks after graduation, and I'd been at home, she said, so, you know, what are you doing with yourself? And I said, having fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, well, we've got three options for you. And you've got three or four days to decide. You can stay home and get a job in Memphis. You can stay home and, and pay rent. Or you can get an apartment of your own and we'll help you get a job in Memphis. Or you can go to anywhere you want to go and we'll pay for airfare, two months rent, two suits to the destination of your choice. That's a pretty good deal. That's a pretty good deal. (laughs) So I just really wanted to spread my wings at that point and do something different. And I had some friends in D.C. having gone to University of Virginia. And so I uh, took the door number three and headed to D.C., and what was your first job there? My first job was at a lobbying firm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You yes. Um, working in this sort of aerospace and defense lobbying and, and, you know, some social issues too, but more on like hardcore lobbying of, for 
um, aerospace and defense. And what was that culture like? I would imagine it would be pretty male-dominated at that point. It was very male-dominated, especially at my age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very male-dominated. I was one of the few women who were, even at that young age, were in that arena. Of course, I was a peon, so I didn't have any sort of say-so in anything. But, you know, I had an unbelievable boss who was a feminist before his time, and he really brought me along. He believed in me, and he saw what I could offer. And what I will forever be grateful for is the fact that he brought me into the conversation even though I was very young. Mm-hmm. How powerful that is. Yeah. It, it was. It was very powerful that, and he had no qualms with bringing me along to a meeting and asking for my opinion and then explaining to me why my opinion was great or maybe my opinion was less than educated about from the perspective of the industry. Mm-hmm. So he really gave me a lot of input that brought me along. So I'm forever grateful for... Uh, his belief in me. That's incredible. So what were your next steps to get to, is it macro solutions? Macro solutions. How did you go from lobbying, forming, forming your voice (laughs) in the lobbying arena to putting together your own company? So after a few years of working in DC, I decided that I really wanted to be in business on the business side of things, as opposed to the political side of things. And I always had an aptitude for math in science. That was really where my heart was and where my core was. And I decided to go back and get my MBA at Georgetown, which I did. When I came out, that was like the beginning of the uh, tech boom. Mm -hmm. Very, very, very beginning of the tech boom. I got out of my MBA and I decided that I didn't really know what I wanted to do at at the time, but I knew that I wanted to do something different from what I was doing before. I was approached by a temp firm. Interesting. Yes. This is right after I graduated from Georgetown. And they said, while you're looking for your permanent job, we've got a job for you in the tech arena as a temp. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll do this for the summer. Once I got into this job, it was a metamorphosis (laughs) and also sort of an interesting chain of events. The person who was directly above me quit, and then the person who quit above her quit. And within three months, I was running the training (laughs) for this IT consulting company in the government arena. Yeah. And I loved it. I was rolling out training nationwide. Felt a little bit fake because I had never done this before, but it was right in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the interaction. And then they hired me full time. I love it. And so I ended up working with them for almost six years. And I learned a lot from that experience. They allowed me to formulate teams, hire people. I was in charge of not only delivery, but also profit and loss for the division, the government division. And during the course of that six years, I rose up to be head of their federal services division. That's incredible. So can you talk a little bit more about that time of sort of faking it till you made it? Yeah. <laughs> and and what, what that was like? I mean, obviously, it's very humbling, I think, to see someone such as you that has had this incredible career that's, you know, you're certainly not finished by any means. And you've been able to develop your interests into businesses as well. To hear that there was a moment in time where... 
you like the rest of us thought, oh, what have I got myself into? And how do I learn from this kind of yes. scenario? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that everyone has that moment where you grow up and you think I've got something going on, but I don't know what. And you really don't know that you are that equipped to handle things in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And you hope you are, but you really don't know that for sure. And I would say that I was brought along slowly over the period of six years, but I was given more and more responsibility. And the one thing I did was to step up and lean in and take the responsibility. When other people didn't take the responsibility, they shot away from it or didn't want to do this or do that. And I took it on and I said, I'll do that. I'd like to learn that. I don't know that, but hey, you know, I'm willing to learn that. Mm-hmm. And I was in an environment where they fostered that in me. And I think that you have to be willing to take chances in life and to really step up and not be afraid of failure. Because failure, every entrepreneur and every person in life doesn't get to the next level without a few failures. Mm -hmm. That's the way it goes. So don't be afraid. Don't stay inside your cocoon. Bust out. Take a few chances. And that'll get you to that next level, I think. We talk a lot about failing forward as, you know, this is something that many wonderful people that are culture pioneers have um, have coined and sort of discussed. And it's something in our business that we talk about on a daily basis of how to learn from your mistakes and fail forward. People think of business as this sort of either lateral or ascending move. And it's so often not. It's trial, tribulation, figuring out and recalibrating. So I appreciate those words. So then fast forward to the beginnings of Macro Solutions. I know you've created this firm with your brother. And so where did it come from? How did it manifest? So what happened was the uh, two partners in the company I was working for had a divorce and started throwing shoes at each other. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And they decided to split up the company into two pieces And one of them lived in Chicago and the other one lived in Atlanta and the federal practice was in DC. So I was in the middle and between the two of them, uh, they asked me to make a choice to move to either Chicago or Atlanta. And at the time I really had no interest in moving to either city. I was living in DC. That's where I was, had made my home. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. So I guess I'm going to have to part ways with them. And having been head of their federal practice and division, I decided that maybe there was a way for me to do something on my own. And uh, my brother uh, was in project management at an IT consulting firm, and we were living in the same house at the time, and we thought, hey, because we were young, right? (laughs) This is uh, maybe not the worst thing in the world. Let's see if we can make this happen go back to some of the clients that I had developed. And there was no there was no conflict of interest with the previous firm because they had decided to get out of federal. So I thought I can go back to some of the clients I'd already developed a relationship with and see if they're willing to work with me as a person, new company as opposed to an established company. And I have to say, this was not easy. This was hard because, yes, they believed in me as a person, but you still have no past performance as, as a company. And there was a magical moment when someone called me and said, I heard you can do this and you can do it quickly 
can you just make this happen and we will work with you? And we said, yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. You're like, even and if we, we don't will. know how to do it, <laughs> right. we will deliver. <laughs> we will make sure this happens for you by Monday. And we worked, you know, 24 seven until we made that happen. And then we were sort of off to the races because once you have a client, then you can actually build upon that client. It doesn't matter what industry that you're in. If you have a client, you can work your tail off to make that client happy and make sure that you either get more work from that client or that they're a good reference for you for other business. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. And we started off with one person working for us. And then that moved into four people and we continued to build the company. And how many employees do you have today? Uh, about 200. That's amazing. Do you ever have that aha moment where you sit back and you sort of look at what you've built and you feel a great sense of pride? I feel a sense of pride every day. Um, and I'm amazed at how smart and creative that everyone that is working for macro solutions is. I'm proud of what we've created, but I'm more proud of the people that are involved with the project, so to speak. And I pinch myself every day because it's been an incredible journey and we're doing amazing things for the government, but it's really all the people that are working for us that really take the time every day to do something for the client. We talk about incremental change, which is different than big change, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a client. In many cases, all you really need to focus on is the next small change to make things better, make someone's life better. And IT is a lot like that. So it's not about like the Big Bang Theory. It's about what did I do to change the software, to do something different that made that person's life a little easier or made them able to report better. I really am proud of what we've created for sure. That's amazing. How has the IT world changed for you culturally, basically from the moment that you walked in the door to where you are now? So when I first got into the IT arena, it was definitely mostly men. I think that it wasn't really so much a glass ceiling as it was women weren't as aware of IT being a profession for them. And that has so changed over the last 20 years of being in IT. And so many women are embracing IT as a career. And there's so many aspects to it that you can get involved in from being a coder. Mm -hmm. There's actually an organization called Women Who Code, which I love. I've seen that, yes. yeah. To whatever aspect of IT you want to be on, there, there's marketing jobs in IT. There's everything in IT. So now I, when I go into a room, it's uh, definitely less dominated by men and more inclusive of women and, who are interested in it. And the younger, you know, the younger people who are coming up have grown up with IT in their world. Our niece at three years old said, and Amy, I need to upload something. And I said, this is beautiful. <laughs> She's three. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's great. So Macro Solutions is really, should we say your morning job? Yes. 
Macro Solutions is the morning job, yes. And Diddy TV is the afternoon job. Yes, Diddy TV is the afternoon so job. So let's talk about how Diddy TV came into formation. Obviously, um, this is something that you and your husband have formulated together as musical lovers and musicians yourselves. But when did the kind of brain bubble pop and you decide, okay, we have to do this? So my husband, Ronnie, is an incredible engineer. He does amazing things with technology, more than I can do. I came to technology from a functional perspective. He came to technology from a technical perspective, putting together his first computer at nine years old. So, Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> at a time when people really weren't doing that. A little so, prodigy. Yes, a little prodigy. <laughs> so he has that side and that gift, which is unbelievable. And so he contributed to um, and still contributes to Macro Solutions. He's the CTO there. But as a couple, we uh, both are musicians. And someone said to me that technology and music go hand in hand. It's like math and music, right? Uh, there are a lot of people who are into math who are into music. It's kind of funny. But I'm a fiddle player, and he's a drummer and guitar player. And we really connected when we first met over music. And that was our passion. So you have your day job, then you have your night passion. Mm -hmm. And you you do what makes your soul happy. And so music has always been one of those things that we either were playing or we were watching, but we live and breathe it every day. So we had been going back and forth to Memphis. And my parents still live here. So we're in D.C., and uh, he loves Memphis. And I always have loved Memphis and still love Memphis. Even though I, I left for a, a bit, that was sort of spreading my wings. But my heart was always here. And Ronnie is from California, correct? Ronnie's from California. Yeah. So he's a very laid back. He's got the California thing going. Totally. You know, right. Surfer vibe. Surfer vibe. <laughs> and Memphis was way more his speed than D.C., to say the least. And it was a combination of music and the culture here that really attracted us to move back here and do something with technology and music combined. But it was less thought out. In the beginning, we just said, we love the vibe in downtown Memphis, all the old buildings. We want to own one of these old buildings. And so in 2006, we bought one. And it was fortunately already uh, renovated, like the upstairs was renovated, so we could kind of hang out there and live there. And then over time, we were able to slowly renovate the entire building. It's a four-story building. But in the beginning, it wasn't some grandiose plan to start a television network like we have now. It was really more about enjoying music ourselves and creating a studio in the bottom of our building, us living up top. And my mom says, oh, my gosh, you live above the store. <laughs> <laughs> and we love living above the store. <laughs> but it was really more about, can we do something creative in our own building that we're going to enjoy and we can have artists come here and play? It was very minimal. And then, of course, we are tech geeks. So somewhere along the way, we said, I wonder if we can just broadcast over the web, what goes on in our studio. So we can have some house concerts and broadcast via the web and let all our friends know. And it'd be a fun way to connect with 
our friends and family across the U.S. and et cetera. And we happened to be next to the Folk Alliance. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Meyer, bless his soul, because he, <laughs> he left us, but uh, he left his spirit here and his vision. Mm-hmm. And it was great to have him next to us for five years and to talk about Americana and Roots music. And it was something we, a music we've always loved and had a passion for. And we decided to see if we could broadcast some of the artists that were coming in town for Folk Alliance. But really, it's less about being able to broadcast than it is about the consumer's view of what you're broadcasting to them. And we can have all the bandwidth in the world, but if you don't have the bandwidth to download it at the speed that we're broadcasting it to you, it's not going to look good. So in the very beginning, in 2010, 2011, and even before that, it was really just herky-jerky. If you remember when people were trying to do something live on the web, oh, it would, sure. and still, mm-hmm. occasionally you have moments where it has to think, and you're like, oh my gosh, they cut off just at the wrong moment. You yeah. know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm really into this. And then it jumps forward. But it was it was much worse in 2010, 2011. But we, we were, you know, determined to make that happen anyway. And so we continued developing the technology and broadcasting. And all our friends were having fun with it. And it was fun for us. But then technology started to catch up for the average consumer. A lot of people wanted Netflix. And they wanted the ability to look at streaming video on their television set. And if you wanted to do that, you needed to up the speed of your internet service. And so a lot more consumers now have high-speed internet service to the extent that they can download easily and watch whatever they want to watch on their television. Um, Especially young folks who really get and consume most of their media via, you know, Hulu, Netflix, and other online streaming technologies that are available to everyone out there. It was about 2013, 2014 that we said, hmm, we're capturing all this content. I'm wondering what we're going to do with all this content. And we were literally in a car driving back from Florida on a trip when uh, we said, I wonder if we could make this into a 24-7 music television network. And because that no longer exists, because that no longer <laughs> <laughs> exists. Exactly. You know, MTV turned into yeah. uh, reality TV. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to go back to music television desperately. <laughs> but uh, real music with real artists that write music and play music and play instruments. And there's real passion that a lot of people have for music. And it's not everybody, but for people who do. It's a passion for them. They want to. They really want to connect with the artist. And we said, what can we do to create a community that will enable people to discover new artists and hear the artists that are maybe a little more well-known as well, but discover? Because in my opinion, in our opinion, that's something that was missing, that everything had become so corporate that... The ability just to hear an artist whose song is playing twice on your network, do they connect with an audience or not? Give them that opportunity and let them see. Let it play out, but don't decide for them. 
And don't decide for the viewer what their taste is. Let them decide what they want to hear and what they don't want to hear. And so we decided to create a television network. Obviously, that's a lot of content. (laughs) (laughs) So we went back to the uh, MTV model of the original music television, which is that the industry was still creating beautiful videos that were being posted on the web. But, you know, someone has to actually go out there and find that music. And if you're an unknown artist, the average consumer of music really wants someone to say to them, hey, I like this artist. Listen to this artist. At least take a listen. And they trust you to be the curator of that music. So we've become that curator of music. And so Diddy TV is curating that music daily. And we're curating music from artists that are not well-known and music that is from artists that is well-known. But it's amazing to see the response from our, our viewers who are saying to us, thank you so much for introducing us to all these artists and letting us decide who we like. And, oh, by the way, I'm able to then turn to my friend and say, I discovered this artist. It wasn't spoon-fed to me. Sure. I think what's so fascinating about this whole process is through really not marketing or advertising yourselves, you all have gained a national and international audience. Can you talk about that? And then also, if I recall correctly, some of your viewers are tuning in, is it five and a half, six and a half hours per day? Like eight hours a day. Which is incredible. (laughs) I mean, you, you can't gain someone's attention like that with hardly any network product and anything. So anyway, can to back up, can you elaborate on how sort of the organic process of Diddy has become such a fantastic national and international success? So it's an ecosystem and we connect with the artists. And one thing that I didn't mention is that when artists come to tape in our studio, which we do upwards of 52 a year. Last year, I think we did 60-something, and this year we're on track to do 70-something performances in our studio. We give all of that media back to the artist for them to use any way they want to. And we're an artist-centric network, and we're very excited and proud about that. And that word has gotten out in the industry. But when artists come in and they play at Diddy TV, play on Diddy, they then reach out to their entire fan base and give us some love. And so what's been really, really heartwarming about the organic growth that we've had is that these artists have really done the marketing for us. We bring them into our studio. We, once a Diddy artist, always a Diddy artist. And we promote their tour. We promote their music. Every aspect about their life, we're on board with, and we pull for them. And that has been one of the biggest marketing tools that we could ever have because these folks, they have their fan base, whether they're an emerging artist or they're an established artist. And we want to be a part of their world. And so it's been great for us because they continue to market us. And so now we have over 5 million viewers a month. Unbelievable. Which we're very excited about having done no promotion. I think we're about to embark on some promotion, but we really weren't trying to do that in the beginning. We were really trying to 
build out the network. It's a brand new arena, OTT, over-the-top television, which uh, you're in the advertising business. Mm-hmm. It's it's a brand new arena. It's like what cable was to on-air, over-the-air television. Absolutely. When everyone's trying to figure out what this next arena is. We happen to be on the cutting edge of that. We're one of the few television networks that's an actual broadcast television network that can go live at any time that is IP-based. So we're excited to be on the cutting edge, and it's also an interesting space to be on the cutting edge because you're on the cutting edge. Sure. So you're having to feel your way down the path. But that's exciting for us. In five years from now, you'll look back and go, oh, fantastic. (laughs) This is a great idea. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That is what I am keeping my fingers crossed. Absolutely. (laughs) That we're going to do. And at every turn, we're given a little encouragement about just what's going on in the industry. But also just the love from the entire music world has been extraordinary. And we're really passionate ourselves about music. And that's really what drives us. That's really what drives us. It's yes, we're tech geeks, but it isn't so much about the business model as it was about and is about the music and the artists. So how do you, as a fully functioning human, find balance between your two jobs? Wow. (laughs) It is tough sometimes to find balance. I'm sure it's tough for Ronnie, too, because he wears both hats as well. To find that balance, you basically do what you have to do for both. But we work seven days a week. I will not lie to anyone out there and say that it's a uh, nine to five kind of job. Our head is in it seven days a week. And I would venture to say 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And we, we joke about pillow talk at the right household. It, uh, it involves some sort of technology <laughs> or marketing or some sort of question about this. And we swap equally and fluidly between both Macro Solutions and Diddy TV. We're really, really just happy that we've been able to, to do something in both arenas. Mm-hmm. We both started out with technology as a career but with a passion for music and then moving that ability and that background in technology into something that we're passionate about and we love, that's less work than the other, right? Because sure. you're passionate about the, the music and they're two different, they're so different worlds. They're very different worlds. But, you know, it's exciting and it also gets you up in the morning because there's always something new and in both worlds that's going on. The balance will be, I joked with someone, I said, what is work-life balance? Work-life balance is you work, 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 and then at some point you get balance. (laughs) No kidding. But the balance isn't necessarily on a daily basis. Sure. It's a life balance, I think, that you have to look at when you're passionate about something and you're all in for, for right now, you need to take the time to do everything you need to do to make it work for you, knowing that on the back end, at some point you will get the balance that you want, but you're really not an entrepreneur if you want balance every day. It just right. doesn't happen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Can you elaborate on the process of how you attract talent and artists into the studio and also um, 
as a local, having had the wonderful pleasure of being in your studio for a live performance, that is such a unique experience for a performer and to walk away with that content. But just to give kind of our listeners an idea of what the process of gaining, attracting those artists, and then what that experience is, it really is for someone in the studio. So we are actively curating music on a daily basis, and we're looking at artists that we would like to attract to our studio and and have in the studio. We are obviously looking at where they're touring because we want them to be close. We want to have them in our studio in Memphis to perform. So it's a constant curating and vetting to determine who we want to have in and who can be in. But the process really starts with a relationship with these artists that we already have. And we work with them to get their current video content onto our network. And that's where it really starts. It's a relationship we try to create between the artist and the viewer. And like I mentioned earlier, artists post their video on YouTube or wherever it is, but it requires the viewer to know who that person is to go find it or somehow accidentally find it. We're doing all that trolling for the viewer. We're out there every day, 10 hours a day, looking at music and saying, wow, this is a great artist. And we contact them and we start by saying, hey, do you have any kind of official video that is um, like an MTV quality video that you would be interested in submitting? Then we promote that video on Diddy TV and we introduce the artists and their music to our fan base. And then at some point um, when it makes sense, we have them into our studio and we do a live taping. And then we're able to have 30 to 40 people in our, our studio. It looks much bigger on television. Magic of TV. But it is. It's such an incredible experience as someone that is in the studio, not even just for the first time, but as someone, you know, myself, I've been there several times and it's such a magical experience. It's so rare that you have a live performance and you're in a room of 30 people or less. And I think that that's such an incredible thing that you all offer to those that are, you know, in the city. But then also, of course, you know, the magic of TV short does look much bigger, but it is so intimate. And also seeing the evolution, I love to see what you guys are drumming up, you know, aesthetically in the studio. It is pretty amazing. I mean, we're obviously, we're in it every day and we're constantly changing out sets and doing various things to keep it fresh for our, our viewers. But to have that experience for the audience that happens to be here in Memphis or that's able to come to Memphis and be able to take in a live performance, you're able to see an artist that you normally see in a very large auditorium or some other venue up close and personal. And I think the space really creates an intimacy that is great for the artist as well. It enables them to connect with the artist in a way that they don't normally connect. They also know that it's taped. So if there's any mistakes made, you know, that that can get edited out, Mm -hmm. obviously. But I think it really enables them to be themselves, to connect with the audience, and to meet the audience. We create a um, situation after that enables the artist and the audience to meet. But it's, it's very special. It's very special. It's special for me. Every single time it happens, every single artist, it doesn't matter uh, whether an emerging artist or they're uh, 
an artist that is well known. It is very special to me to meet them, hear their life story, hear how they got from where they are to where they are now. And I do a lot of interviews. Um, We have a staff of the VJs and they were all trading off, but I do a lot of interviews and it's one of the most rewarding parts of my job is to interview the uh, artists and to really find out how they got where they are. Like, like you're talking to me, absolutely. how they got where they are, what instrument was their first instrument? For example, I'm really actually interested to know that when did they decide to become a professional musician? Because that's a big leap. And, you know, what their struggles are as, as a musician, because it's not an easy path to take. Obviously, being headquartered in Memphis, we have such a culturally rich history, also a combative history, but attracts really artists from all over the world. How has that been an asset to Diddy? I think being in Memphis is an incredible asset to Diddy, not only for us, but, you know, for artists as well. But the history here, you know, is phenomenal, obviously. But I think there's a little more to it than that because people want to focus on the history that we have in uh, music and the arts. But I think it's an ongoing development. Memphis is a very artistic, creative city that most people don't realize exists that attracts artists. It's incredibly um, inclusive. It's inexpensive to live here. But there's a bit of a witch's brew, in my opinion. Very much so. That sucks you into the vortex that is Memphis, that really creates an environment that fosters that creativity and enables people to thrive as an artist. And and Diddy TV has really benefited from being here because so many artists, they don't have a gig here, for example. They so want to be here. They're willing to stop and tape at Diddy, and they'll say, I wish we just were playing here. Mm -hmm. I wish we could stay here Mm -hmm. for two or three days. Recently, an artist that came through Memphis and did a taping at Diddy TV said, I want to move to Memphis. I'm going to make it happen. I so love this city. I, I really think that it's an amazing place for creativity and art. And I'm not even sure every Memphian understands that because we grow up in this and I'm a Memphian and I'm not sure I really understood it till I got away from it and came back. But there's just this incredible environment that exists here that is so supportive of artists and Diddy TV has definitely been the benefit from being in this environment. That's amazing. So for my last question, uh, I know you mentioned your niece earlier. I would imagine she comes to you as a mentor uh, pretty frequently and having been so successful in your career and also accomplishing, because I do think that turning your passion into a business is, it's a mass accomplishment. I think everyone's trying to live to work, not work to live. So what advice do you give her on how to be successful, how to find happiness in life, et cetera? I think you really need to find your passion and not be afraid to pursue it. It's hard because everyone around you is saying you need to do this or you need to do that. But take your passion and take your experience and see where that 
world leads you. And especially as a young person, try something different. Don't just follow the norm. If there's really something that you're interested in, follow that lead. Because it will probably lead you down the path of something that is going to, you're going to be successful at. Because in order to really be successful, you have to be all in. Whether you're working for a corporation or you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't really matter. You have to enjoy what you do or it's going to be tough to be successful at it because it really requires lots of commitment, constant learning and evolving in that profession, change, and you have to be willing to accept all of that and be eager about it in order to really be successful. So what I would say to anyone out there, including my niece, is to try a few things. You, you know, when you're a young person, you don't always know what that is in the beginning. Uh, so you don't need to know at 22. But if you do have something you're passionate about along the way, give that a shot. Even if it's a little bit left of center or right of center or whatever it is that people are saying to you, I'm not sure you can make a career at that. You know what? Give it a shot. And out of giving it a shot, you might come up with other ideas that are not only innovative or creative, but that could also lead you down a career path that you're going to be passionate about. And I think that's really important. Awesome. Thank you for being here. It's so wonderful to see you. Thank you, Cecilia. Thank you for having me. You're an unbelievable interviewer. Oh, thanks. You dragged all sorts of things out of me. Oh, good. That's, that's the idea. <laughs> Check out more from Amy and Diddy TV on their 24-7 broadcast available on Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, TiVo, or on DiddyTV.com and subscribe to their podcast at DiddyTV.com slash podcast. If you like what you hear, hop on over to iTunes and hit us with a five-star rating. Or if you want to hear more from Walkabout on a daily basis, check us out on Instagram at WalkTheWalkabout for daily lifestyle, brand, and self-care tips or online at WalkTheWalkabout.com. The OAMnetwork.com. Power to the podcast.